Hello everyone and happy Brexit day. Yes, today is the 23rd of June, five years since we voted to leave the European Union. Firstly, apologies for a lack of a program yesterday. I um, was working on a very, very big project. Also, I was at Talk Radio doing a lot of uh, stuff there with Mike Graham and Dawn Neeson. Uh, but we have going to be bringing you a lot more new stuff on this new channel and its new site, thanks to you and your support. Uh, one new show that's going to be introduced as of next week is, uh, is going to be a, a discussion panel, uh, sort of like a question time style, uh, with uh, you guys actually being contributing to the show itself. I'm going to give you more details over the next couple of days. Uh, now, first, let's go and talk about the Brexit special before we do that. Uh, as uh, you know, um, you can see, just a reminder, obviously, on this page, you can see there are two different video players. There are two options. It's only because uh, some of you have uh, mentioned the feedback that I received that uh, the video player that comes with the website doesn't work on some of your devices or with your Wi-Fi connections. Uh, so we are using YouTube as a host. We're not uploading on YouTube. We're not allowed to actually upload these full shows if we get censored or removed. Uh, but we are using a private link, unlisted link on YouTube. So we're basically taking advantage of YouTube's player and uh, posting a private link on the website. So no one can actually see these uh, YouTube links anywhere on the actual Google or YouTube. Uh, only you can see it. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about this just as, as a reminder in case you've missed it. Uh, but you know, basically, if you are using the YouTube player, it's more stable. You can also watch it on your smart TVs like you used to do when I was posting those videos. Now, Brexit special. This is going to be a very, very exciting video because it's all about what's been happening over the last five years. All the myths, all the lies from the Remain side, from the establishment. And, uh, you know, they told us by this time we should be under the water uh, in the middle of World War Three, and the lizards will come up and dinosaurs and everything will just end forever. That's what they told us. Now, of course, that didn't happen. We've had a lot of challenges, a lot of ups and downs. We're still seeing some challenges in Northern Ireland near Dover, with fisheries, there's still a lot of issues, but it's been mostly caused by European Union's bureaucracy and stubbornness. Now, let's go and see what's been happening recently. And also, there's a lot of stuff that, that hasn't been really mentioned by the mainstream media, none of the channels. Like, whether it's the good news or the bad news that's been happening. Firstly, uh, we know that there's a big battle between uh, David Frost and uh, the European Union uh, and since day one, it's been happening when he was uh, negotiating on behalf of the UK. Uh, he's had issues in terms of the way the European Union was treating Britain as an independent country. Uh, you know, the lines like the European Union should stop making threats to big countries like Britain. Uh, it's also uh, the whole point of it was that during the negotiations, they weren't really treating us properly. Even post negotiations, post Brexit Britain, now that David Frost is in charge of post-Brexit Britain, uh, while we are negotiating the Northern Ireland Protocol situation and everything else, they are still not really respecting Britain as a big country. And they are going to be proven wrong massively because they are seeing a lot of problems inside their own trading protectionist bloc. Um, now, one is issue is that they are so stubborn. Now, this came out earlier today that the Home Secretary said that Brits in Europe are facing discrimination in the post-Brexit era. Now, this is quite alarming because when it comes to citizens uh, living somewhere, we always and only hear the effects that Brexit has had on EU citizens' rights in the United Kingdom. 
we don't really hear much about the British citizens and what they are actually experiencing in the European Union. Now, the Home Secretary has come out to tell us uh, what's actually going on uh, across the continent uh, within, inside the EU 27 nations. And it's quite alarming. Uh, she told the Telegraph, Daily Telegraph, that she accused the EU countries of treating British people unfairly five years after more than 51% of Brits voted to leave the European Union. Now, uh, Priti Patel has cited a number of reported instances of UK nationals in the EU being asked for residence documents they do not need to hold, being prevented from accessing benefits and services and having trouble with their right to work. Uh, and also she's said that Brits have had problems merely traveling to the EU, saying that some British nationals have faced disruption on boarding and entry. Now, this is slightly fascistic. This a bit um, reminds you of the, the early days of the 20th century in some places in Europe. Because if the European Union claimed to be this friendly family and we're all neighbours, even with the UK, after Brexit, they said, we are still allies and we're still friendly neighbours. But clearly, that's not really how they see us. People, people always said that it's the Brits that have a very, very negative view uh, when it comes to Europe in general. And that's why they voted for Brexit. People also, no one was really talking about the fact that historically, for a long time, there are a lot of Europeans and European countries and governments uh, has, has, have had a very, very negative view when it comes to the UK. They're all like us. So, but people always focus on you know, a few Brits who make jokes about the Germans or the French. But you have to, if you go and see how they are treating us in Europe, then you know that it's not like they are the victims here. They're also doing certain things. They're also trying to block our rights to work in Europe. And they're claiming that, oh, it's all the European citizens in the UK who are being treated unfairly. Well, that's not really true. And we have to tell the truth. And I, that's why I said it in this video, so that you guys know. If you have a discussion with a Ramona friend or a family member, to tell them that nothing is black and white and nothing is one-sided. Give them the evidence. Tell them what's been happening uh, with British citizens across Europe. Now, Priti Patel is trying to actually come back from the chaos that she's created as Home Secretary. Uh, so she's trying to become popular again. So uh, she's uh, announced in the uh, Telegraph that she's trying to get rid of the unconscious bias training for Border Force officers. Now, it's been brilliant, <laughs> brilliantly hilarious and sad that Border Force have been going through unconscious bias training. I don't understand why and what and how, but that's been happening. Now, Border Force and UK visa and immigration offer training intended to alert people to hidden prejudices that they may harbor. So they thought that the border force might be what, a bit racist, uh, so they're not going to treat the migrants coming in fairly. So hang on. The fact that the border force have been letting anybody, everybody in on a daily basis and just without any problem, that means like that, that, that was racist? Imagine what they will be like if they're not racist. <laughs> Millions will come in every day. <laughs> it was the most stupid idea. Whoever came up with this policy in their home office to uh, create this woke training just in case the border force are racist and stop someone because of the skin color. Like, well, most foreigners have a different skin color than the ones who are trying to come into the country. Get used to it. It's not something, it's not a magical, like special uh, treatment that they have to be getting. It's, it's a weird situation that we're currently facing. 
Uh, but Pretty Patel has decided to access training. Uh, my idea, my, my view is that it's just simply to uh, bring back the support that she's been losing. It's a bit too late because she has to show uh, action in terms of uh, actual immigration, the crisis that we have with illegal migration. If she wants to be popular, she needs to fix that. Uh, but, you know, speaking of fixing things, uh, going back to Brexit Britain, Northern Ireland Protocol still needs changes to survive consent, according to Brandon Lewis, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. And he's absolutely right. Now, this article in the Politico is talking about uh, the discussions and the battle between London and Brussels over the Northern Ireland Protocol. There are a lot of people, especially the Ramonas, who are saying that this is the Brexit deal that was negotiated and was agreed by both sides, and everybody said yes, we voted in the election 2019 for it, for Boris Johnson, and said, this is it, that the Northern Ireland Protocol has to stay here forever. That's not how it's written in the agreement. There has to be consent from both sides, and there is a review. And the next review is going to be 2024 anyway. It's only actually three three years to go. So if... Uh, if they don't change anything now, and the UK still has the opportunity to uh, make changes to the protocol, uh, or even get rid of it, and there will be a big battle, of course, and punishment from Brussels. But even if we don't, within the next three years, the whole thing will collapse democratically from the Northern Ireland side. Uh, so that's just how things work. And, and that's what Brandon Lewis is trying to warn uh, politicians from both sides. Uh, he says that at the moment, it is very questionable whether it's going to be sustainable in its current form. Uh, I think that that is why it is in everybody's interest to see it rectified. So it's going to have a life beyond that consent mechanism. And that, that's the thing. So as we said, December 2024 is when the consent vote is going to be happening. And of course, if the Northern Ireland side decide to vote against it, then it's the end of the Northern Ireland Protocol and the European Union will sit in the corner and cry like babies. What are they going to do? They're going to have to go with free trade. What they've been pretending to want. But no, they don't want free trade. They want protectionism. Now, CNN. <laughs> this Brexit special obviously is really good. I'm enjoying this because there's a lot of nonsensical stuff that's happening. Uh, but CNN, Luke McKee has written in CNN about Brexit. Five years after the Brexit vote, the United Kingdom is more divided than ever. Who has he been talking to? Where, how are we divided on Brexit? No one's been talking about it anymore, apart from me. <laughs> That's all I do every day. But seriously, we have bigger issues than a vote that happened five years ago now. And we are discussing the problems, we are discussing the challenges, and that it's still affecting a lot of people, as I said, in Northern Ireland, in Dover, fisheries. Uh, but as society, politically divided, we're more divided on face masks right now than the Brexit vote. These people are so out of touch with reality. This article is brilliant. <laughs> so he says, five years on, the UK is still scarred by Brexit. Mm -hmm. Most have accepted it, but few are satisfied with how it ended. And the truth is that no version of Brexit would please everyone. Okay, Luke, you are absolutely ignorant and wrong about everything. So Brexit, how it ended. Brexit is never supposed to have an ending. It's not some sort of Disney story. It's, it doesn't end. Brexit is just the process of leaving the European Union. It's just the beginning of everything. And secondly, any version of Brexit is not going to satisfy. There's no version of Brexit. And the whole problem that I have with 
how the the other side, the Ramon side, uh, are asking us to give them a good version of Brexit. It's because the whole concept of leaving the European Union has been sh- overshadowed by the word Brexit. Now, Brexit is that now feels like it has to mean something. It, it's it's a project. It's something. No, it just it just means leaving the European Union. So there's no version. You just leave the European Union. That's one. And it doesn't end because you're just leaving the European Union. It's just the beginning of the process. But Brexit as a word, people think it's it's a project. It's like the NHS. So you have to have different versions. You have to have an ending. You have to have like the level of intellectual prowess in the political system is fascinating. So good luck, democracy. And then uh, he says that while near enough everybody uh, involved in Brexit has made a misstep at some point, many have since had reason to lament the biggest bungle of all, calling a referendum with absolutely no plan for what would happen if Britain voted to leave. And the funny thing is, at the end of it, it says, correction, this story has been updated to remove (laughs) characterization of how the Brexit deal was viewed in Northern Ireland. So Luke already made a mistake uh, and because he's out of touch. And he wrote something about the view in Northern Ireland when it comes to the Brexit tr- trade deal. And he was told by people, oh, no, Luke, you're just talking nonsense. Edit it and change it. That's, you know, doesn't really help his credibility with this article. He's just guessing and he's just writing random stuff. And of course, some people believe it. It's the CNN. Now, if you wanted to know the truth about the European Union, you just have to look at the Times. Imperialistic European Union punishes nations that it dislikes is according to Viktor Orban of Hungary. And he's absolutely right. Uh, we have seen the way the EU uh, bureaucrats have been treating Poland and Hungary, Greece and Portugal, uh, and as opposed to you know, your Germany's and your France's. France and Macron have been kicking off for the past year or so over a number of issues, including Brexit-related stuff. They just cry, they moan, they threaten, and the EU just sits there and says, whatever you want, we'll just give it to you, Macron. Whereas, you know, if, if Orban complains about something, sanctions, that's it. Or just shut up, just go back to Hungary, we don't want to listen. That's the double standards that the European have. And um, Viktor Orban is absolutely right here, because he says, uh, this will inevitably lead to a lack of democracy. Uh, he was making a speech, uh, and uh, he was basically talking about um, how Hungary, the, the, the history behind Hungary and the whole Soviet Union, the relationship, and now that they have the freedom and democracy, um, they're saying that, Brussels is led by people who believe that integration is an end in itself. Democrats with a national mindset will have to take up the fight against those who wish to create a European empire. Now, it's interesting, and that's actually the beauty of democracy and sovereignty, because um, people like Mr. Orban, they are socially conservative and nationalist. Um, And uh, at times that means they're pro-big government. Uh, They're not pro-freedom. Viktor Orban is not pro-freedom, <laughs> but, but they are very proud and they're very patriotic and nationalist. Um, so in terms of the domestic politics, of course, I would not agree with their policies because they don't, they don't really do a lot of democratic stuff. But um, at least that's the beauty of national democracy is that you can still defend your country against undemocratic foreign forces. If a country wants to be undemocratic or do authoritarian stuff or socially conservative stuff, they would do it by consent when people vote for them in elections. But when an external foreign power imposes on you an undemocratic process like the European Union, you did not vote for this as the electorate. And that's what Viktor Orban was trying to say. 
and it's not really just Hungary, the Netherlands. We got Nexit. That's the obviously the Brexit version of uh, the Netherlands uh, campaign that's been kind of obviously going on for a while now. Uh, they're now lashing out because uh, they've uh, been the, the report that came out that uh, the Dutch government. I've not really been dealing with the, the Dutch economy like, well at all. Uh, the report shows that almost 50% of the Dutch have a net worth of less than 10,000 euros. And it's all because of the, obviously the Eurozone and the European Union's bureaucracy and uh, all the whole obviously, Dutch government being in the pockets of Brussels. They're not really paying attention to their own people. Less than 10,000 euros. Like, don't even convert it to pound. Like, of course, it would be a lot like different, but even in terms of if it were 10,000 pounds, that's just not possible. And that's the Netherlands. They're our neighbors. They're a trading nation. If this country was independent and sovereign, it would be, once again, a rich and successful country. But not right now, thanks to the European project. Now, we have to focus on our freedoms because the fight for freedom never ends. We have to keep fighting and we are going to fight for freedom. Now, the latest updates that we have on this is the face masks and social distancing are going to be completely dropped by the 19th of July. The government has been under a lot of pressure now, so they've decided to actually focus on the fact that we can now focus on personal responsibility and encourage people to be hygienic and healthy and go with public health guidelines rather than having regulations on forcing them. Um, now... I'm going to wait and see how everything goes in the next few weeks anyway. Uh, but uh, as we've already seen, because, you know, there were, there were a lot of uh, conspiracy theories about this global effort of the lizards trying to take over the world uh, with the pandemic. Well, of course, it didn't happen because it was never going to happen in that sense. Uh, every government also had different policies. Uh, if they were really, really organized, the lizards, then they would have actually had all the governments having the same policies. <laughs> uh, but it hasn't been really. It's been all over the place. These people are so incompetent. And uh, there have been a lot of efforts nationally at times, different governments, to be authoritarian and to control our lives. And they have done that, absolutely. Uh, but they don't really have a proper agenda. They don't know what they were doing. All they want is control to tell us what to do because it's easier to control society that way. Uh, but now uh, there are governments that have been doing it for different reasons. Uh, for example, when SAGE comes out to push ministers to do it, uh, there will be some backlash from some ministers like Richard Sunak or apparently Boris Johnson, who's been opposing it according to Dominic Cummings. Um, now we are going to see what's going to happen. Because some people who've been afraid, they, they said for months, for, for the past year or so, that uh, full lockdown will never end, which ended. And then they said uh, the, the semi-lockdown stuff uh, will never end. Face masks will never end. Social distancing will never end. Uh, and all this stuff. So uh, they also said that obviously the vaccination will be mandatory. Um, I haven't been commenting on it. And I'm going to wait until to see in a few weeks, in a few months, how life is. And then I'm going to look back and assess it. If, if we are in a situation where we're going to have a lockdown forever and social face masks forever, then I'll go with that side and say, yes, they were right. If we don't, then we're going to look back and I'm going to remind everybody to not jump to conclusions. Um, always question everything and everyone and authority. And never let power control your life. Um, but try not to go with everything you've seen random blogs as well. So, because <laughs> there's a lot of random stuff that happens on the internet. Uh, we are seeing the new cases. Of course, cases are going up a little bit um, because of the the Indian variant. Um, but also, again, there's a lot of debate around how these 
COVID cases are assessed or identified a lot of false positives. So ignore the exact number because it's never really accurate. Uh, but you can see that uh, last June, was towards the end of lockdown, it went down. Then you got the October, November went up, then lockdown happened, then went down again, and then went up again, February went down. But the trend was there um, and you can see it. But when you compare it to the deaths, and that's also a bit dodgy because uh, the way they report this most of the time is death with COVID at the time of death, not of COVID. But even if we just say it's just COVID deaths, then last year, you can see it was up and then went down. And then November, December went up again with cases a bit. Obviously, there was a bit of lag, um, you know, a couple of weeks, but it went up again. Same thing, January, February. But right now, June, it's not going up. So we have broken the link. So Boris Johnson has no excuse to extend the 19th of July target, and he doesn't need to do it. So let's see if he's brave enough to protect our freedoms or if he's going to go with the control freaks and the authoritarians of the medical experts world and sage. These people are so out of touch, not just sage, politicians, people who are running our political parties. The Conservative Party has been sending out these emails, <laughs> this weird survey, weird questions about the leveling up. Now, before I show you this again, leveling up that Boris Johnson keeps talking about, because it sounds more positive, leveling up as opposed to uh, creating this communist equality world, because the socialists want to do the same thing. But then the, the conservative side, capitalist side always say, oh, you want to bring down the rich to make sure everyone's equal. So the Tories are now using the other ways, just for different phrasing, saying, oh, we're going to level it up, not level it down. But in reality, you can't do that in that sense. You, you cannot have governments and politicians running the economy. You can't have anyone managing the economy. The economy and economics in general. Economics is a study of human behavior and action. That's all it is. It's not some sort of weird uh, cycle or tunnel of money and finance. Uh, but politicians treat um, economics as if it's just numbers and finance and money. It's not. It's, it's just human action. But they come out to send out this survey to their members, the Tory members. And every question is about big government. It's about spending more money, raising more taxes, raising more borrowing. And it, <laughs> it just makes no sense. Do you support our £3.6 billion towns fund? Do you support bringing back 95% of mortgages to create new generation homeowners? Do you support our 60 a 640 billion pounds infrastructure investment. Now, the whole thing is nonsensical. A lot of people, including some of you, might be watching and say, well, these are good, some of them. Oh, I agree with that one. Oh, that's good for infrastructure. That's good investment. Oh, that's just, you know, that's just common sense. You have to spend money sometimes to invest to get back in the future. That's not how economics works. We've been trying this since the 20th century under the Keynesian plans. Doesn't work. You think it works, but it doesn't work. But it makes people feel good. People who don't understand economics and the, the world that we live in, they just see it black and white on the surface. Well, the government spent money on that. Now we have a new train. That's good. Oh, we have new schools, new buildings. That's good. But the whole Keynesian plans that's been happening for such a long time in the West, it's creating laziness, it's destroying aspiration, creates, it destroys competition, and uh, it doesn't really allow enterprise or individuals to come up. Because people think, people know that the moment they go down and they're unsuccessful, they can go, with, go to the government and the gov get the government to help them. And that's the biggest problem we have. I'm not saying don't have safety nets. Of course, always have the government to support the vulnerable. Uh, but don't have the government 
managing the economy and buildings and building things and doesn't work. It makes people feel good and safe that, oh, I feel safe that the government is building more infrastructure projects around my area. That I don't care how you feel. Facts don't care about your feelings, as Ben Shapiro always said. It's about the realities of economy. And these people don't understand it. But the other side are also mental. The Labour Party don't even know what they're doing. So it's not just about the Tories. A Labour official has come out to say that uh, the party is losing votes among the Muslim vote voters because the party is tackling anti-Semitism. But nobody wants to talk about it. Now, I can believe that. Now, that's not really a big surprise, but no one is really talking about it anyway, even in the media. It's a very, very iffy topic. Um, not all Muslims and not all Muslim Labour voters, but there are definitely a chunk of Muslim voters inside the Labour Party who are anti-Semite, um, who are also anti-Israel and anti-Jewish. Um, so, of course, if Sama comes out and says, I'm going to tackle anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, they're not going to be happy. So, it's going to have to pick a side. It's going to be pro-Jewish uh, pro or anti-Jewish. You can't, you can't convince both sides, uh, unless you want to find a way to satisfy both, but you can't. The freedoms that we talk about is also international. We heard some sad news earlier that the Hong Kong pro-democracy paper uh, announced its closure. And it's a little bit sad because um, there are a lot of issues that's happening in this country and we are focusing on Britain. And, uh, but if you want to talk about fight for freedom, you have to realize that there is a a domino effect globally internationally you can protect your country here and your freedoms the culture but if there's a threat abroad and if the wave starts eventually it's going to reach your country as well same thing that happened in the 1930s in europe with germany so if you're not careful we have to speak out we have to defend uh, the freedom fighters in hong kong and in other places too so it's not just that we have to only think about ourselves. We don't have to start war. <laughs> That's not how we should do it. Uh, but we have to fight for freedom for everyone across the world. Because the moment you become complacent, the whole world is going to go authoritarian. Now, thanks again for watching this video. I'm going to do a double show. Uh, the next show is going to be a full-on Q&A. It's going to be a complete... Because usually I just answer a few questions at the end of each video. Uh, but I'm just going to do a longer version. And I'm going to explain more about... The future of this channel and all the stuff exciting stuff that we're going to be introducing to you guys thanks to your support thanks again for watching on my tc and i'll see you guys in the next video